We are always looking for things to make the farm life easier. Having the right chicken keeping first aid items on hand is essential to being a chicken tender. Henny and Rue can help. Henny and Rue is a monthly subscription box. You will receive products to help build up your poultry first aid kit, as well as new treats and coop products to keep your flock healthy and happy. And it shows up right to your door. The chickens aren't the only one being spoiled with this box because there's always something fun for us in there too. So go to HennyAndRue.com and save 10% off your first box using code DRINKANDFARM. Henny and Rue, better chicken keeping delivered. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. I made this sound effect today. (laughs) Yeah, you did. What'd you open over there? Uh, So I opened... I don't know why I made that so dramatic <laughs> for those on YouTube. It just kind of slowly comes out of the camera because I'm just sound like such an old lady. I am drinking V8, mm. <laughs> low sodium, 100% vegetable juice. That's so healthy of you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll let y'all know in a little bit why I'm being so focused on my health. But yes, it is. And it's lo- like I said, it's low sodium to boot too, so... I mean, there's still a decent amount in here, but it's not as salty as the original. So there you go. Health tips from Sam. I like it. I like it. So what are you drinking over there? Uh, I'm just drinking coffee out of my Yeti wine tumbler. It's my new favorite coffee vessel because I take this out with me to go milk the goats in the morning in the barn. So I have something to kind of like relax and enjoy myself. (laughs) And I'm not in such a hurry when I'm milking if I've got coffee out there with me. And so I like the Yeti lid because it's got the pop closed so I can keep, you know, like the grit and stuff out of it. Yeah. I would think that being caffeinated might make you go faster. Yes. Yes, it does. It helps. (laughs) (laughs) Our drink beep this episode is our friend Elizabeth Steves, and she is at Steel02 over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. So today it's a mini-sode. So we're going to start with a couple of our on-can't-evens. And then a couple of your can't evens. Just a reminder, if you want to send can't evens to us, you can do that by emailing us at drinkenvironment@gmail.com, or you can post them in our Facebook group and just hashtag can't even if you would like them to be featured on our minisodes. Yep. All right. So what are we can't evening about this week, Beth? Well, so I only have one. But it's a little bit of a longer one, and it's kind of follow-up from the episode that we dropped last Friday about whether or not you should use salt in your garden as an herbicide. And it's follow-up on how states are using sugar beets for an eco-friendly alternative to road salt to de-ice roads. Because we talked about it a little in that episode, but 
I actually didn't know a whole ton about it. I just heard about the sugar beets like in passing. So we weren't really able to dive into that. So we can't even about how that works because it's actually super, super interesting. So there'll be a link in the show notes to an article from foxweather.com. And this article is specifically about the state of Missouri, but there are states all over the U.S. and even in Canada that are using this sugar beet alternative to the road salt. So there are a couple of things at play on whether or not a like municipality will use this. So salt is really effective at de-icing roadways. And it's really inexpensive. So that's one of the reasons why salt is used so commonly. And in fact, I read somewhere that some places will mix a little sand with the salts to cut the amount of salt down that's used. But also the sand creates just like a little bit of grip when there's ice and snow on the road. After the ice and snow melts, I hate the sand. I think it's a pain in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) Because then I slide on the sand. Better than kitty litter all over the expressway, I guess. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So salt is really effective and it's really inexpensive. And so while it does have those benefits, there is some room for improvement on what we can use because like we talked about in that episode, salt harms property, infrastructure, and the environment. And in this episode... They told us how much per a year in damage it did, and it was a significant amount. It was $5 billion in annual repairs in the U.S. alone. That's the damage that salt causes. (laughs) B, billion with a B. Yeah, B with a billion. (laughs) So while salt is less expensive up front... There's that extra charge on the back end. So that's why they have been looking into alternatives. And the article mentions the same things that we mentioned in our episode about how salt can end up contaminating drinking water, kill or endanger wildlife. And it also increases soil erosion and damages private and public property can do damage to the paint on your car and it's not good on the road. But there is a byproduct of the sugar beet process that they can use to salt the roads. And it's actually a byproduct of the process that makes sugar for our tables. Oh. So this is something that would just kind of get wasted or thrown away if it wasn't usable for this. So it's kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so it's a result of the fermentation process that extracts the sugar crystals, leaving the juice behind. So the mixture that they use to treat the roads is 80% salt brine. So there is still some salt in there because you need the salt to melt the ice. So you can't get away from using some salt, but you can cut down the amount of salt you're using, which lowers the risk of all of those other bad things that we talked about earlier. And then 20% beet juice. Because without the salt, the beet juice alone won't melt the ice. And the beet juice is really interesting because it actually sticks to the road, unlike salt. So in an area that gets lots of rain and snow and ice, like as a combination, like that junky wintery mix, we get that here all the time and I hate it because <laughs> you never know how to dress for that because you're going to get wet. It helps reduce the amount of treatments that you have to do because the beet juice helps the salt brine stick to the road for a little bit, which is pretty cool. 
So that was a little more information on that. There will be a link in the show notes if anyone wants to read a little more about it. But I saw it and it was fascinating. And Sam actually pulled this for me. So I was really excited because I got to learn something new today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think we made like a joke about, oh, yeah, we should look more into that. And it can be a can't even. And then I was looking for can't evens for this while I was editing the YouTube. And we said that. And I was like, oh, I should pull this before I forget. (laughs) Teamwork makes the dream work. Smart. Because I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sam, what's one of your can't evens? So I actually have two today. I'll start with a depressing one first, though. Okay. Yeah, let's end on a high note. (laughs) Yeah. So the, I don't know if you all have heard, but bird flu is making a comeback. I saw that. It's very unfortunate. So where is it making a comeback at? So this article gives us a good idea, but I will admit by the time this podcast drops, this article is like a week old. So more might have developed since then. But the article is from... Breaking news. Yeah, this is not breaking news. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) It won't be breaking news by the time you all hear that. So we'll just say that. But breaking news a couple of days ago when I pulled it. Anywho, this is from KTLA.com. The article says highly pathogenic bird flu could spike egg, chicken, and turkey prices. Oh. So as if we weren't dealing with enough with inflation, bird flu makes, you know, come back. And then there's this, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there's like a war going on now. Yeah. So like these things were not on my 2022 bingo card. Mm-hmm. So I'm just feeling a little blindsided here. But anyways, the USDA is warning that the avian influenza has been identified in three states and it could rapidly continue to spread. So again, this was, you know, a few days prior to this episode dropping. But last week, the bird flu was found in a flock of commercial broiler chickens in Fulton County, Kentucky, as well as a backyard flock of birds in Farquhar, Farquhar? in some county in Virginia Okay, that I can't pronounce. Look at the article if you're concerned that you live in that county. (laughs) (laughs) The USDA said that in a press release earlier that week. The virus was also identified in a group of commercial turkeys in Dubois County, Indiana, earlier this month. And all 29,000 turkeys in that flock were killed to prevent the spread of the virus. Oh, my God. That is so many turkeys. Yeah, it is. And that's not great news for me because those are my border states. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but it sounds like they took the appropriate steps to hopefully prevent it from continuing to spread and perhaps even prevent it from getting totally out of control. Mm-hmm. The same pl- fate of those 29,000 turkeys was planned for the affected chickens in Kentucky and Virginia, because really there's not much you can do once they have it. Those birds have been quarantined and they will be depopulated to prevent the spread of disease. And the birds from those flocks obviously will not enter the food system, but that's worth saying. Yeah. So the virus still has potential to widely spread, even though we're doing everything we can, which means that it could impact those prices for eggs, chicken, and turkey. The Bureau of Labor Statistics found that food prices were already up 7% in January 22 compared to the year prior. So I guess if you eat a lot of chicken... (laughs) 
or turkey. <laughs> I'd highly suggest, you know, not not like wiping the shelves clean, but maybe go to the store, you know, grab a couple packages, put them in your freezer if you're really concerned about this and, and the prices going up. Mm-hmm. And the article also talks about a 2015 outbreak of avian influenza that led producers to kill 33 million egg-laying hens in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And then also 9 million birds in Minnesota for turkeys. Uh, there were also smaller outbreaks in Nebraska, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. And that did impact the egg and turkey prices across the country for months, with cost of eggs going up 61% at one point, and prices for boneless, skinless turkey breasts rising 75% between May and July 2015. Oh my god. That's a lot, guys. Yeah, that is. That's a lot. So more of the story. Things happen. You, avian influenza, obviously you have to take drastic measures if you're in a situation where your flock has that or, you know, uh, something in the supply chain is impacted by it. It's just another reason to keep your own flock, though. So you have your own eggs, raise your own meat if you're able to. Not that that's always cheaper, but I have a freezer full right now. So it's really nice to know that I won't be impacted by this issue unless, you know, God forbid my flock gets avian influenza. But the likelihood of that happening, honestly, is so slim. And if it does happen, it's something that you can't necessarily control. Yeah, it is pretty slim. I would be hesitant to take chickens to any shows right now. I would be hesitant to bring any adult birds into my flock from like a backyard bird breeder during this time. But other than that, I think that you're going to be okay. And if you have any friends that keep chickens also, just as a rule of thumb, I wouldn't wear my farm boots into their chicken area and then wear them into my own chicken area. That's one way that you can stop the spread. Or you can just bleach the bottom of your boots when you get home from your friend's house if you do have friends nearby that have chickens and, you know, that's unavoidable. So just a couple tips to keep your flock safe. And don't feel like you have to go cancel your chick order or even don't even feel like you have to not indulge in chick days at Tractor Supply. Those places are NIP... Certified, is that what it is? N-I-N-P-I-P? Yep. Something like that. Thank you. Too many acronyms, but you're right. They're certified, so they have to meet standards. Is I'm not saying that it's impossible for those birds to be affected, but they go through rigorous testing and standards in order to maintain that certification. If those birds do get it, they're not going to send them to you. <laughs> they are on top of it. Plus, when you're raising chicks, they're separate from your flock for so long anyways. You would know they were ill before you integrated them anyways. (laughs) So obviously do what you're comfortable with, but I would be more concerned about the rising prices of food versus getting a new round of chicks right now from my perspective. I am in agreement with that. All right. So that's out of the way. That was super depressing. All right. What's our good news? So the good news is I... Don't have to lie to anybody anymore. I feel like most people maybe have caught on at this point. We haven't, neither of us have had a drop of alcohol on this podcast in like two months. In this entire year, this entire calendar year. Yes. And, And we did dry January and that was legitimate because we were talking about doing dry January. I think we started talking about it back in November 
because we're like, we should just do that to like be inclusive of people that maybe don't drink or don't like beer or don't like alcohol. But yeah, I I am drinking V8 juice because I am pregnant. Woohoo! Yay! Yay! Yay. (laughs) (laughs) The mocktails I was making back in January come from a book called Drinking for Two. We will link to that in the show notes. You can find it over on Amazon. This book is great because it goes by like trimester and it's got a lot of nutritional things and they're plant-based and all that fun stuff. I just haven't been motivated in February because I've been freaking exhausted. I haven't been motivated to make any of those those months. So canned meat juice was today. (laughs) But yeah, so if you don't follow me on social media or we're not Facebook friends, you probably didn't know that, but I did announce it on Friday to the masses because we're going to find out gender on Saturday. So you guys might know what that is by next week's episode. Yeah. Like the full episode. So yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thanks. So we'll have a teeny tiny drink and farmer. Yes. (laughs) Drinking all the milk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is going to be interesting, too, because one of the things I found with pregnancy is that it can be, one, very isolating, especially before you tell anybody at all. I mean, the doctor's office was the first people I told, which felt really weird when they're like, congratulations. It's like, I don't know you, (laughs) but thanks. It's isolating. The information out there is like meant to scare the bejesus out of you. Like, some people straight up think they have to get rid of their cats because of the whole litter box thing. And that's simply not true. There's so much, like, scaring you because better safe than sorry. So one of the things that we're going to integrate probably about once a month until I push this little thing out of my body. Sorry, that was graphic, but... (laughs) I mean, look, this is a farm podcast. Yeah, we talk about all sorts of things coming out of bodies in this podcast. But one of the things that we're going to cover is some like how being pregnant impacts your farm activities. So like, what is chicken keeping when you're pregnant look like? What is keeping bees when you're pregnant look like? Like my goat gave birth and I had to wear gloves the whole time because zootonic diseases can be passed through when your goat gives birth and you're touching the afterbirth. So like how I'm thinking through those adjustments Obviously, I'm not a doctor. You should always talk to your doctor. But we're going to cover some of that stuff because I could not find a consistent farm source of that information anywhere. It blew my mind. I couldn't find a podcast. I couldn't find a blog. Like, you just have to go and, like, piecemeal all the research like we do for everything else here. Yeah. So... I'm excited to kind of bring some of that to you all just in case you're pregnant or you're thinking about being pregnant because it's not easy to find. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. And I'm all done having kids. Like, done, done. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bevel can help work backwards. <laughs> yeah. So, we'll be talking about what it's like to kick your kids out of the house when you have a fart. No. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be there before you know it yeah so it's interesting because we're both on such opposite ends of the spectrum oh yeah yeah i'm getting ready to start doing college visits this this quarter (laughs) yes 
And, like, I have two stepkids, but, like, they're not really, like, they're hit or miss involved in the farm stuff. Like, they think it's cool and cute. But, you know, they're older now, so it's like we have them maybe once a month at this point. So it's kind of hard to integrate them into farm stuff consistently. And I don't want to force it on them either. Yeah, yeah. Because they're not, one, they're not technically, like, mine. You know, they're not my blood. So I feel like I'm more, like, a friend versus, like, an authority figure sometimes. So I don't want to force them on anything. So I'm kind of excited to have one of my own that I can do that with a little bit more. Have more influence, we'll say, and consistency so they can determine if they like it or not. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see as they grow up, like, how growing up in it makes a difference. Because, like, my kids were older when we moved to the farm. So they... Still have not necessarily gotten into it, but Aurora joined wrestling. She's my youngest and she's 10. And her wrestling coach told her to start helping with farm chores to get stronger. <gasps> so now she's like more interested in it. So like stuff like that is, oh, that's is cool. might help. Yeah. And she's super into the babies, obviously, the baby goats. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how can you not be? <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, obviously I am going to be thrilled to be able to drink alcohol again one day. But for now, obviously I will not be. I'll try to get a little creative with the mocktails if anybody's interested in those. Bev's been great being in solidarity with me <laughs> with not drinking, but maybe once the summer hits, we'll we'll see if she's wanting to drink once in a while there too so you guys can get some beer out of the deal. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I appreciate the solidarity. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually been enjoying my time of not drinking, if I'm being totally honest. So that has been good. And it's not like I have not drank anything, but I've kept it very low. Like I, I had a night out with friends a week or two ago. We stayed out until 2am. I had two beers over a five hour period. And it was great because even though I was really tired when I woke up in the morning, because we were up so late, I wasn't hungover. And that felt good. Like, it's nice to feel good, if that makes any sense. And I think another thing that we've been doing more is recording earlier, or having to like squeeze it in in between things. So we can't feel like garbage. If we're kind of squeezing it in between things or if it's between running and getting your kids and things like that. So it's just kind of the season in life that we're in right now. So we hope you're all all right with that. Yeah. (laughs) We hope you like us for more than just the booze recommendations. So I guess we'll find out. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be back eventually. This is, yeah. It's the season we're in. Yeah. All right. So thanks for letting me steal the spotlight there a little bit so I could share that with our listeners. I've been dying to for so long, but I wanted to wait until I was in the second trimester because you just never know. And today I am the first day in the second trimester (laughs) that we're recording this. So I told you guys as soon as I was comfortable. Yeah. And we have a really great video of my reaction to finding out Because Sam told me, I've known for weeks, and I've kept it to myself. I'm a good secret keeper. (laughs) Did you tell Jared? I did. Well, I told Jared right away. Yeah. That's okay. (laughs) I was going to be impressed if you, like, told nobody. I would be like, that was not necessary. (laughs) No. Well, I knew Jared wasn't going to tell anybody. So that video, we will put that up on our YouTube, and we will link to that in the show notes. I'll have to go back and add it later if it's not ready in time for this episode to go out, but... 
it'll be on our YouTube channel. So if you go to drinkandfarm.com slash YouTube, you'll find it. It'll be like called Sam's announcement or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure out a name for it. I'll make sure it gets up there. Because <laughs> like, it, it was pretty funny. Because I was so nervous. I don't know why I was nervous, but I was. I think it's just because it's like an excited kind of nervous. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. All right. So let's pivot to your can't evens for the month of February. And like this first one, it's from (laughs) the screenshot in here is from a video. It looks really odd if you're just looking at the screenshot. But what it is, is Angie Marie shared with us the Iowa Dairy Farmer page. And she said, I don't know if anyone else follows this dairy farmer, but I stumbled on his page a couple of months ago and I have loved learning about his farm and all the technology they could use to keep cows happy and cared for. Not to mention all the lie busting he does to people who try to fight him. I do enjoy <laughs> watching that. So she said, just thought I'd share. Hashtag can't even hashtag cow technology. So this guy has all kinds of funny gadgets. And this one looks like it's like rolling, stimulating the udder, maybe? It's probably cleaning the teats. (gasps) Duh. It's like a car wash for teats. (laughs) I wonder what those brushes feel like. They they look kind of soft. Yeah, maybe they're soft. I'm sure they're soft. Look, this morning it was raining and there's mud everywhere and I had to milk three goats and I would have killed for a cow wash machine. (laughs) I don't know what to call it. For my goats, because I had mud up to my elbows this morning on my sweater, just because they were so muddy. I was, like, trying to clean them as best I could. The milk turned out pretty clean. But if I'm being honest, this feels like a much safer (laughs) way to sanitize. (laughs) Consistent, cleaner for you. Yep. Yeah. Good for the consumer, good for the cows. And I do love seeing technology get used in agriculture because there are ways that we can do things cleaner and safer and more efficiently. And I think his cows, I don't follow him and I haven't seen a ton, but if I remember right, these milking machines, like the cows just go into them when they want to be milked, right? That's one of the... When they feel ready. Yeah, when they feel <laughs> ready. Yeah. So, And there are some cows that will go in there like multiple times a day. That's how much they enjoy it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's like spa time. Yeah, I forgot whose farm that is, but I've seen that before, so that's cool. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. All right, (sighs) our next Can't Even was shared by Chelsea Branion, and it is a picture of some plants that are incredibly phallic, like are these, is this real? <laughs> this is so phallic that I don't think I can put it on YouTube. Yeah, I agree. These look like penises. Like, this is the most phallic. Yeah, like, it, it, we, there would have to be, like, a black box over it. That's how... Yeah, there there will be a, a link in the show notes to this can't even... So that you can go see it in the Facebook group if you're curious. And she said, I smell Fromunda cheese. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but it's probably stinky. <laughs> dick cheese I don't yeah know. oh my gosh <laughs> and the original post came from a place called stunning world this is not stunning it's not stunning <laughs> no there's nothing stunning about this but this is a carnivorous plant and it is called nepenthes holdani and it grows west of cambodia 
about 600 to 800 feet above sea level. They use a passive trap to catch bugs. The top edge of the plant, known as the peristoma, separates the nectar that attracts bugs into its death trap. In the plant's mouth, a slip layer called epicultular wax causes the insects to lose its balance and slide into the base of the trap full of rainwater where they are finally struck. Benin flowers revolution. I don't know what that part means, but... It's really interesting the way that this plant works. <laughs> so at this point, I hope anybody that has small children is not letting them listen since I said dick cheese. But I looked up from Munda. Oh, okay. So Urban Dictionary, the most reliable source of bad words, says it's from, like, from under, or from under cheese. Oh. And a testicular flocking of curdled cheese and organic matter that lies dormant from under a clammy man's ball sack. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad I'm past the nausea stage of my pregnancy because that might have done me in. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I can't believe I just said from under cheese so casually. <laughs> you will never say it that casually again. Never. Never. Yeah. So we will not be posting this picture on YouTube because we do not need a violation of terms of service. No. So yeah, you can uh, you can definitely Google that stuff yourself or find the link in the show notes. Yeah. Yep, yep. On a less disgusting note, Victoria Lee shared in our group that she was talking to her husband about her plans to get turkeys this year. And he says, where'd you learn that? The Two Drunk Chicks podcast? And I was, like, thinking before I read the rest of it, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's pretty accurate. And then he's, <laughs> what he actually did was he took the We Drink and We Farm Things podcast and blended it with the history chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and Victoria now suggests that we do a crossover episode. <laughs> I've never listened to the history chicks, but it sounds like a podcast I might like, so I might need to go check that out. Yeah. For sure. I'll go check it out. <laughs> but thank you for sharing that. I did get a pretty good chuckle out of that. Yeah, I did too. I did too. We've been called a few things. And two drunk chicks. We've been called that a handful of times. Yeah, the boozy farm chicks. Boozy that farm uh, chicks. Twain from Coop Camp. Yep, from Neutrina. Yeah, we could be called far worse things. And I'm grateful that nobody has, like, said it to our face. <laughs> our last can't even. I actually pulled. It wasn't hashtag can't even. But I couldn't even about it. So I decided to pull it. But it was shared by Amanda Olgle, Olgus in our group. And she said, well, this is interesting, weird, and amazing all at once. And it is a share from Goat Crazy. And it is a picture of a woman holding a baby up to a goat's udder. And it is nursing, just like straight from the tap. And it says, rural homestead life in 1927, when a woman wasn't able to breastfeed or died in childbirth and a wet nurse was not available, a goat nursemaid was brought in to save the starving infant's life. And somebody said, well, this like brings a whole new meaning to nanny goat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I almost wonder if that's where it came from. I mean, it totally could be. But, you know, I'm looking at this picture and I just milked three goats this morning. And if I held a baby up to one of my goats, it would get stepped on in the face with a very sharp goat hoof. It would have to be a very, very calm goat. Yes. And none of my goats are calm. <sighs> yeah. Actually, I take that back. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, Zen the goat was milked 
for the first time for real this morning. She's my best behaved goat on the on the stand. Well, look at that. Yeah, Tonks wasn't that well behaved. Should get her gold medal <laughs> so she can brag in the pasture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. May gets an F because I had to put a bucket under her chest, and she still tried to just puddle on the. Oh. Yeah, I put an upside down bucket under her so that I could reach under to milk. That's a good <laughs> hack, though. Yeah, I forgot who told me that. Yeah, someone told me that. And it worked, but it still wasn't comfortable or easy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. Because I'm sure she wasn't thrilled about that either. No, she thought I was the worst person on the planet. But I only milked everyone for 10 minutes this morning. That was it. So we kept it casual. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I imagine like the goat in this picture had to be selected for its calm demeanor. It's got a cute little bell on. It's clearly inside the house. Like, if I'm looking closer at this picture. And the baby's yeah. just like, this is normal. Mm-hmm. I mean. You're like, this is fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, that is an interesting one, for <laughs> sure. And I did see that in a few different places. So, yeah, this is circulating. It's really interesting. And I wonder, I wonder if this happens still, maybe, like, in other countries. I'm sure, like, the pediatric associations or whatever do not recommend this now for various reasons, but I still wonder if this like happens across the world somewhere else, you know? Yeah, I totally could. And you know, I mean, you sanitize and utter well enough. Like I have sanitizing utter wipes and stuff like that. I'm not doing a post-treatment yet because they go straight to be nursed by babies. So I don't have to worry about bacteria or anything. But I think if you pre-treat and clean real well, sanitary enough. (laughs) All right, so that's it for Can't Evens today. Remember, if you want us to feature your Can't Even, make sure you're hashtagging Can't Even in the Facebook group when you post. Mm-hmm. And be sure and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts or give us a call and leave it on our voicemail because you could be entered to win a monthly drawing for our exclusive coffee mug. And make sure you take a look at the show notes today for links to our social media our merch shop, and other fun things because we did launch the March shirt of the month that Bev is wearing right now on Friday. So there's actually a t-shirt, a long sleeve shirt, a hoodie, a coffee mug, and a tank top. Mm. Because some of you in the Midwest, or not in the Midwest, some of you maybe in the South. And the West. Yes, and the West. You're getting closer to tank top season if you're not already in it. Or maybe you're planning on going on a vacation somewhere tropical. So we're slowly moving away from the hoodies and long sleeves to the tank top. But this is very much a four-year anniversary kind of shirt. So we went big and offered a wide variety to you all. Yeah. I can't believe it's been four years. Oh my gosh. Our next regular episode is our anniversary episode. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. But we're going to do some reminiscing on that episode, so make sure you don't miss it. Yep. So that's it. And until next time, drink, farm, and give zero fucks. Bye now. Bye. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.